Grace on Fire, episode 81. You're listening to Grace on Fire, home of Grace Nation. It's not just another podcast. It's the voice of a movement. Join now at MyGraceNation.com. MyGraceNation.com. What's up, Grace Nation? I hope you're ready to get for another power-packed episode. I love this song. Get a little water here. I love it. Let's go. And hello, Grace Nation, and welcome to the show. My name is the Reverend Dr. Jonathan G. Smith, a.k.a. The Reverend Dr. Smitty, and I am your online pastor. And my goal is to help you craft your life for a higher purpose. A life that's so incredible, so amazing, that people will be asking you, Hey, what's up? Where'd you get your life? And we say, yeah, it's simple. I craft my life for a higher purpose. That is Grace Nation. Crafting life. Grabbing life by the horns and not letting go. That is the whole heart and soul of this podcast. And on the show today, I'm talking about life coaching, what it is and why you should consider pursuing the idea of talking with a life coach. And you say, Smitty, what is a life coach? And that is the question I want to answer today. And you probably listen to that. You know, honestly, life coach, that sounds, I don't know. It sounds kind of like, ooh, I got a life coach. And if you Google life coaches, I mean, sometimes there's some... I guess dweeby people, but then I would include myself in that category of dweeby, dorky kind of people. But actually, I'm going to tell you, I love, I love, I love doing it, and um, I, I've have two clients I'm working with right now. Uh, one of them is just knocking it out of the park, just grabbing life. I love her because she said, "Hey, I, how am I going to spend the next 27 years of my life?" I mean, who asked that question, right? Who asked that question? Who? Um, how am I going to spend the next 27 years of my life? How would you answer that question? What would you say? Would you say, man, I don't even know how I'm going to spend the next 27 days, much less 27 years? Well, I mean, it's going to be for anybody. And, um, you know, that's that's life coaching. That's that's what the process is. It's, it's trying to figure out life. It's trying to figure things out and move methodically forward in your life. It's a very powerful tool, and um, we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to talk about why I'm so enthusiastic. My other client, he is making progress. We were really able to just nail down just, you know, what the big problem was, and he didn't even think he had a problem because I wasn't really sure about it, and uh, I wasn't really, you know, but he's my friend. He's like, okay, I'll go along with it, And, and then we've really been able to get into some stuff with him, and so we're going to be talking about some life coaching today. And uh, without really going into much, if if you're stuck in life, like you're just stuck, you're you're like on a hamster wheel, you're not really going anywhere, but you're going really hard. Then you know you may want to consider listening to this, or if you're you know trying to uh, get navigate a transition, you might want to listen to this, or. Um, if you're trying to figure out what you want to do for a le- your life, you might want to listen to this. My whole point in this show is you might want to listen to this. So we're going to be talking about life coaching and just asking the basic question of what is life coaching and why you should consider it. Also on the show, we're going to be doing a little bit of street theology. I'm just going to be doing a little practical street theology 
from the point of view of being a pastor. And originally on the show, I was going to talk about, and my title was going to be, you know, how to love your pastor on Monday morning. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about why I just switched that out and just talk about the Monday morning blues. Uh, The Monday morning blues for pastors is a very real thing. Let me just do do you a favor, do your pastor a favor, do me a favor. Don't call him up on Monday and just air out all your dirty laundry. Don't do that. Don't 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 air out what's so wrong with the church and why you hate it and everything and it's the worst thing since sliced bread. Don't worry. Your pastor's probably beating the hell out of himself on his own. You don't need to help him self-flagellate that, okay? So just don't do it. So we're going to be talking on street theology today on how to survive the Monday morning blues if you're a pastor and also if you're not just to make you aware of this dynamic. The first time I ever heard about the Monday morning blues was uh, in in a in a in a guy who left his ministry after starting it and planting this church and doing all the work and he left and went on to do other things and you know he talked about this phenomenon and I never I just never even considered how awful Mondays could be for a pastor. You spend all weekend just pouring out your life, and then Monday morning comes along, and you're just you're you're spent, you're exhausted. I mean, even John Piper writes about this. So if I'm just kind of bringing it out because you never hear about this on the church, you never the churches never say this. Um, I'm gonna say it um, because we've got to get real, which is what about grace on fire is also i've got a tip of the week and then we'll get right into our feature presentation so let's get into this here on grace on fire connecting deep truth for everyday life this is theology on the street well like i said on my street theology segment today i'm gonna get down and dirty on what it's like uh, to experience the emotional roller coaster of Monday morning blues. I mean, I'm telling you, nothing to me is worse than Monday morning blues. I don't know. I, I can tell you more often than not, when I wake up on Mondays, unless it's just been a knock it out of the park, incredible Sunday experience. And by the way, I don't do anything different from week to week to week essentially about planning services, the same amount of effort, the same amount of energy, by and large, goes into planning Sunday week after week after week, month after month, year after year. You get my drift? And yet there are certain things that can happen on a given Sunday that will just send me downward into a downward spiral of depression. And usually it has to do with relational things. Usually it has to do with somebody who's upset with me or who has, you know, decided that they don't like the church. I'm not this or that enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I'm too much of this and none of that. You know, you get the point. And, and, and it always surprises me and it always feels, and let me just explain this to you right now. When somebody leaves the church and they don't tell me and I hear it through, you know, and, and then they do and they start talking about my, behind my back. That feels like a knife in the back. When the person is kind of up front, it feels like a knife in the gut. Why? Because it's a broken relationship. And one of the hazards of being a pastor is this. You 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 develop real emotional connections with each one of your parishioners. You just do, especially in a small church, because you know, you pretty much know everybody in the small church. It's only, you know, my church 
okay, I'm going to fudge the numbers a bit. Maybe we're pushing 50. It used to be a little bit larger than that, but it's small. It's a very small church. We haven't made a lot of progress. And uh, and sometimes it's rather humiliating to to say that you got a church of 35, 40 people. Um, and so I've had a couple of experiences this spring where it was just like, it was horrible. And what happened was a couple of weeks ago, it was, this is what happened. Um, I had 12 people show up for our late service. You know, the late service is always the one that's supposed to be the bigger one, right? I had 12 people. 12. I have 10 times that amount, maybe 20 times that amount of listeners on my podcast, you, Grace Nation. But when 12 people shows up, it, it just feels like all you're really doing is just beating your head against a wall. And there's a lot of energy that can go into that for 12 people. And I'm, you know, and I'm not complaining by the way. If it sounds like I'm complaining, I'm not. Because the 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 fact of the matter is this is that there's a lot of things that factors that go into that, right? There's a lot of things that happen. And and and, and so it's not to to debate right or wrong. It just is to say that when you pour so much of your energy, I'm thank God that 12 people showed up. I mean, nobody could have showed up, right? And so you have to keep all of these things in perspective, but as a pastor, we, you know, our subtle little idols is we measure by numbers. We do. And when the crowd goes down, 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 guess what? It hurts. And then when you get that email that says, you're not this enough or not that, I'm so disappointed in you and blah, blah, blah. After you spend a year building the relationship with the person, it's hard. I heard a pastor describe it this way. He said that he's suffering from occupational induced autism. And I thought that is so true. In other words, he has no emotional capabilities of pouring into somebody because so much has been taken out of him. And so Monday mornings, I, I the best advice on Monday mornings that I ever received was from Steve Brown of the Key Life Network. And Steve Brown is like, he's like an old crusty, you know, professor slash theologian, you know. And he's got a really deep voice. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, guys, don't quit on Monday. And it's good advice. Be Don't quit on Monday. Um, don't submit your resignation on Monday because that's when we're most vulnerable. That's when I feel like the most spiritual attacks are because we're usually depleted. Um, our, our family is, is on a different schedule usually. Like, so let me tell you about my family dynamics just so you can understand. I am usually by myself on Monday. Sometimes I'll just go into the office not to be my by myself, but more often than not, I'll be home by myself on a Monday because my kids are gone to school and my wife has gone to work. And so that's when I'm most vulnerable and, and I'm usually depleted. And I've noticed that whenever I feel attacked on Monday, it just feels a whole lot worse than perhaps it actually is. I've quit more times my church and pastoring. I've even quit this podcast on Monday morning than any other time of the week. I've almost never quit on Sunday. I've never quit on Saturday night. But man, Monday morning flows in and it's just like rock bottom. And I think that there's a lot of different reasons. There's a lot of it's emotional, a lot of it's energy, um, it's emotional energy. But I'm telling you this, Grace Nation, because if we're going to be people of grace, we need to understand that our pastors and ministers, are, if they are good, that and good being they care about the gospel, 
and they care about their congregation more often than not, more often than not, they have no energy on Monday. And so I just want to encourage you to this week, Grace Nation, uh, if you are not a pastor and you're listening, be aware of this dynamic. Here's something else. If you are a pastor, I came across this article and it was funny because I was having a really bad day and it was called this Monday Pastor Blues. Focus on all that God is doing around you. And I, you know, and it was one of those things where it was just like, oh, well, I'm so glad that this guy decided to write this. And believe it or not, I found it on Twitter on a Monday. So there was another pastor who was probably feeling low or whatever. And so um, he passed this along. It was full of treasures and gems. But here was a couple of things that it said. The best advice there is it said, instead of having the Monday morning blues, Focus your, focus your eyes on Jesus and what he's doing in your midst. So now here is the coolest thing. The point here, the young, is this. What is Jesus doing around you? And they've got like four examples, but let me, I'm going to tell you about one, or actually two, that really just warmed my heart. The first one is the young man that accepted Jesus is now walking with the Lord. That happened to me like two or three weeks ago. And honestly, it was it was timely. It was timely because when the ministry is struggling and it's at a low point right now, having that just it just it's just like oh, okay, all right, another one for the kingdom. Okay, that that's awesome. That's that's God doing His work, and it's not about me. I mean, it's just not. It's just about God. But He used my church and and, and He used the ministry to reach somebody. And that's exciting to me. That's what, you know, that's what we do this for. And I don't do this to have potlucks. All right. You know what a church of 25 people is good at doing? Usually it's having potlucks. All right. I mean, there's nothing substantial that we can do. I mean, because, you know, you just don't have a real large group of people. You're not going to have a huge impact on the, on, on the city, right? Not like some huge church, 2,500 people or so. And, and, but if you have 25 people, you can have amazing potlucks usually. And, and there, I love them, by the way. And I love the fellowship and the, and the, and, and all of that that goes with this. But when you see a conversion, whoa, that is something, that is something that excites me. That's what drives me. It's to see conversion to win people to Christ. But here was another one an older woman whose understanding of scripture is growing deeper and is sharing the gospel with her grandchildren. Guess what? That happened in my church. <laughs> That's awesome. And I've seen this, and I remember the first time that this ever happened, I had this lady in my church, she was just saying, I never heard this gospel before after 50 years in the church and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's awesome. God's using my ministry to reach some people, maybe people that would never darken the door of a church of 2,500 people, but they will come into a church of 25. And so, that puts everything into a different perspective, doesn't it? It takes the focus off the metric of size and performance and puts the metric squarely on the work of the gospel. And that is my only antidote for pastors, because I'm telling you, when we're laboring so hard, it is so difficult on Mondays. But we have to remember something, that our measurements are not in the numbers of butts and bucks sitting in the pews, but it's the work of the gospel. And that has to be our life focus. And now for Smitty's Life Hack Tip of the Week. And my tip of the week is if you have a small church, small group, whatever it is, small being small, 
and you have no musical talent around or available, what do you do? I mean, what do you do? I mean, this is one of the, again, a little bit of a small church theme here uh, today, and then we're going to switch right over to life coaching, but uh, I'm just kind of sharing with you some things that I'm doing here in my ministry uh, at Redeemer Church, and then also um, things that I think can help. And, and so I came across this app called I Sing Worship. Now, I'm not sure if I talked about it before, but I have been using this app now for three or four months, actually four months in the life of my church. And I got to tell you, it's awesome. And here's why. I Sing Worship is an iPad app. I think they might have it available on the Android, um, but I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, if you're an Android listener, I'm sorry, but um, I'm totally Mac biased. I just am. I mean, I, I totally have fallen to the idol of Mac. So back to the app. So, um, <laughs> so I Sing Worship and uh, if you if you just Google or you go to icingworship.com, you can find out more about this app. This is what this app does so amazingly well. They have produced, you know, the top 100 songs of Christendom and uh, modern hymns, uh, a few classic hymns, you know, worship, praise and worship, that sort of stuff. And they've they've produced these things and then they've licensed them out so that your church can use their vocals and their music arrangements in your setting. What's even cooler is that they've taken all the presentation needs. So, you know, putting the words up on a screen, that's what everybody does. We don't use hymn books anymore. We use screens. And so it does all of that for you. All you have to do is plug your iPad into a mixing board and a projector and boom, you have an instant worship experience. And I'm telling you, we've been using this at Redeemer now. Now, listen, I mean, think about think about what I just said. We're a you know quasi traditional Anglican church with 25, 30 people on a given Sunday, and we're using this iPad worship. And when we lost some of our musicians, some of the people actually said, "We think the music's actually better." And that's because it's professionally recorded and done. And here's the here is the coup d'état and the whole thing. Ready? Each of the songs typically costs between two or three dollars. So you can get into a really nice music ministry for an investment. Um, you know, if you don't have an iPad, you can get an iPad. I paid 200 bucks for an iPad, and then I got this iPad. You for like 250 bucks, you can have a really great worship experience with a very small group. And I'm telling you, it has been a huge game changer. I use the I use Icing Worship in almost all of my leadership experiences now, and I have never gotten a complaint. It's almost as if we expect it now. And again, the music is so good and so well done that I mean, it. I, I think about this. I think at some point, you know, um, if and when the church grows and we can hire back, uh, you know, a really good quality musician. I mean, they're gonna they're they're gonna have to bring their game because I will be hard pressed to replace them with uh, replace the iPad with you know somebody that's not that good. It's just it's just it's just that good. So go check it out. You can go to mygracenation.com. I'll have a link in the show notes, or you can just go over to icingworship.com. Uh, by the way, there's no affiliation. I don't get any money for this. I'm just gonna tell you what my experience has been with I Sing Worship. And now it's time for our feature presentation. 
And on our feature presentation today, we're got we're asking the question, what is life coaching? And before I do that, I just got to take a little sip of water here. Little little beverage here. All right. So, um I, you know, life coaching. I, let me tell you about how I came about this. All right. Now, there are there is a podcast out there that's you know dedicated to life professional life coaching. I highly recommend that you listen to that. It's it's you know I don't know. It's not cool to me. It's not gritty. I like gritty things. I'm a gritty kind of guy. So it's you know go listen to it. You're, you know, they're very nice. They're very they're very nice. I'm I'm not a sh- I'm not a nice guy. I'm not a sweet guy. Thoughtful, but not very sweet. So what is life coaching? Well, let me tell you about how I came about this. Okay, so I started pursuing life coaching last fall because I was genuinely interested in figuring out a way to positively help people live a better life. All right. And some of that came out of an experience that I had where I was a minister and I I came face to face with a situation where I just, I was out of my league and I wasn't sure how to help them. Now, that was a negative situation, but looking back on it now, since having studied life coaching, I I, I definitely would have changed my approach, okay? But... um. That's where all of this began. And so, you know, I Googled the phrase uh, personal development and I discovered life coaching, which led me on a journey to get trained and then to educate myself further on this whole concept. Well, you know, after six months of research, uh, launching a business, seeing some fruit from that business, uh, you know, I have a small degree of knowledge now of what it is. And I also just want to explain to you, you know, why I am just enthusiastic about coaching. Now, I have to tell you this right up front. My one of my personal strengths, okay, like my top strength, is the love of learning. I love to learn. I love to learn just about anything um, if it if it's really interested to me. But I love to learn about people. And so when I love to learn by loving to learn, or let me just say it this way by uh, loving to learn about people in individual lives, it's just a natural mix because coaching is little, it's really about learning about a person and seeing what God is doing, all right? That's that's not the official definition for it, but it's, it's definitely something to tell you why I would get into this, all right? So after, you know, after really getting to, into this coaching, um, I finally have kind of wrapped my head around this thing. And, and now let me say, let, let me just get into the definition, okay? So what is life coaching? Well, let's talk about what coaching actually is. You know, think about a coach. You know, what's a coach? Well, go back to a horse-drawn carriage, you know, 100 and some odd years ago. And, you know, you have the coach, which is generally four wheels, a wagon. And then you have a, you know, some horses pulling the coach. And literally, the idea here is that you have horses that pull, uh, you know, individuals along from one destination to another. The horse would pull the carriage or vehicle from where the person was to where they wanted to be. And that's essentially life coaching. Life coaching is just that. It's, it is a person who guides another from where they are to where they want to be. Now, stop and think about that for just a moment. We all have visions, well, at least... There are many of us who have visions of where we'd like to be, and we have no idea how to get there. 
um, you know, we have ambitions, we have dreams, uh, we have fantasies, we have all these things, but we don't have a clue on how to get there. And most of the time, the issue isn't so much about the knowledge of how to get there, but it's really unpacking what the vision is and where the person is right now. In other words, what I mean by that is that so much of the answers that we're looking for are actually inside of us, but we've never had the courage to vocalize them, or we've never had anyone give us feedback to the barriers and the obstacles and the the value clashes and all the kinds of things that actually keep us from moving forward in life. And, and, and believe it or not, there's a whole cadre of things out there that can do just that. So, a coach or a life coach is a person who guides uh, another from where they are to where they want to be. Also, if we just take this now and kind of raise it up a notch like we do here on Grace Nation, you know, a Christian life coach takes that and says, okay, let's define it this way. A life coach is one who guides another from where they are to where God wants them to be. Now, if you've listened to my show for any length of time, you will know right away that I believe strongly that God's not just going to lay out a plan for your life, right? He's just not going to do that. He's not going to send you to an email from God at heaven.com and say, hello, this is the plan for your life. Now, the next step, and then step two, do this, and then step three, do this. He's not going to do that. I wish he would do that, but he's not. Instead, what I believe that God has done is he's radically liberated us. He's given us a freedom to develop and to know who we are and who he created us to be. So, so much of coaching in unpacking vision for our life is actually understanding who we are. And so, coaching is more about understanding who we are and how God has wired and created us and to explore that awesome vision that is inside and then fleshing that out. And it's much less trying to discover some kind of nebulous, ethereal purpose out there that we will never find. I got to tell you, it's taken me a long time to say what I just said. It has taken me a long time to say what I just said. So often we think that passion and purpose is discovered out there. But it's not. Passion and purpose resides on the inside. And what the coach's job is to to do is to really help us discover that passion and purpose and then bring it to life. Now, here's a cool resource to go check this out in a deeper, more profound way. Angela Duckworth, who's a uh, psychologist, um, she's a, she's actually what's called a positive psychologist. She's actually written a little book called Grit. Highly, highly recommend the audible version of that book. I actually am listening to it right now. I haven't read the book, so I don't know how it reads, but if it reads the way that she, she writes, it's got to be pretty good. Um, but she gave a TED talk on what grit is, et cetera, and it's that idea of just this determination and perseverance of accomplishing major goals, all right? It's grit, it's grittiness, right? You many church planters that hang in there, they're gritty. They persevere through difficulties and trials. So Angela Duckworth, in her book, Grit, 
talks about the difference between, you know, a job, a vocation, and a passion or a purpose. But she makes the point here that so often that many people think that passion and purpose is some ethereal thing that you discover after going through a process, and it's just simply not true. Instead, passion and purpose very often is cultivated, and it can be even cultivated in mundane types of jobs. So the big example is the difference between a brick a bricklayer, a person who's building a church, and then someone who's building a house of God. Now, let's unpack that. And this is what she describes in her book, Grit. She talks about this. What is the difference between a person who's building a cathedral, right? And one person says, you ask them, say, what are you doing? He's saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm laying bricks down to build this wall. Another person says, well, I'm building a church. The third person says, I'm building a house of God or the house of God. They're all doing the same thing, but the perspective is massively different, is it not? The person that has, that says, I'm building the house of God has a passion, a purpose, a huge vision of what's happening. The person that's building the church may have a vocation, right? They may have, uh, or they may have a career in terms of, of what they're doing. They're just building the church. They could go build other churches, right? And the person that's just building or, or laying bricks down, all they've got is really a job. And I think that what we have to understand is that life coaching comes into that situation and begins to speak into those different parts and says, how does this all line up with who you are? So, you know, a Christian life coach then is is not trying to discover some kind of existential plan that God is just sort of holding back on us, but it's actually understanding who we are and how he's designed us. But let me give you an example in many ways of what I'm talking about. Um, and the example comes from an idea that I like to call chasing dragonflies. Well, you know, what do you mean, Smitty, by chasing dragonflies? Well, here's the answer, okay? Here it is. Uh, when my son Sterling was around three years old, he tried to chase a dragonfly in our yard. All right, can you just imagine dragonflies you've ever watched? They just sort of go from here to here to here, they zigzag all over the place, right? So he ran, he ran around the yard trying to track down a particular dragonfly, and he was going in all kinds of directions. Well... You know, you know, as the, as the dragonfly would go from place to place in random order, but, you know, never in a straight, predictable line. What happened was, after a few short minutes of running around, he was exhausted and frustrated, and he didn't accomplish his goal. He never actually caught the dragonfly because it was unpredictable. Well, most people that I know live their lives this way. They go from place to place chasing the dragonflies of ideas, opportunities, and experiences, always looking to move forward in life, but they never gain any ground. They never gave any ground. They're chasing dragonflies. And what life coaching is really about, it's, it's about eliminating the dragonflies of our lives and setting us up on an intentional course to craft our lives for a higher purpose. All right. So, so that is the example of chasing dragonflies. And so I've just laid out to you what life coaching is. Now, let me tell you what life coaching isn't. And this is so important because very often when we, we think about someone coming into our lives and we begin to share some of our problems, we start thinking immediately about mental health counseling. 
life coaching is not mental health counseling. Um, it's not therapy. It's not advice giving. In fact, if you got a life coach and all they did was talk at you, you probably need to fire them and go find somebody else. Um, it's also not treatment for substance abuse. So if you've got issues of drinking too much or smoking weed or, or whatever, you know, don't go looking at a, for a life coach or don't go look and find a life coach and say, hey, can you help me solve my problems, man? That's not what they're, they're designed to do. It, you know, the coach is not a functioning as a licensed mental health professor um, or professional. Coaching is not intended for a replacement for counseling or psychiatric interventions or treatment for mental illness or recovery from past abuse or professional medical advice, financial assistance, legal counsel, etc. That's not life coaching. Life coaching simply asks a question, where are you going, where have you been, and where you want to be? Your story is important. What happened to you is important, but it's in the past. Life coaching is going to ask, what matters most to you and what do you dream? It is fundamentally a positive action moving forward. And that's actually why it's so fun, because a lot of the conversations that I have are really about, hey, let's how, how can we improve your life? Not about you know what's going wrong. There's a little bit about that. You know, sometimes we have to talk about, well, okay, what's not working in order to understand why a person is stuck, et cetera. But once we get past that and we really begin to do some of the the work and the exercises, et cetera, it's a lot of fun. It's it's really a lot of fun and and people start getting excited about it. All right. So let me kind of tell you a little bit about the process of coaching. It's pretty awesome. So there's lots of different approaches to coaching, but let me just kind of give you the essence of what it is. All right. So the process of coaching, it's going to ask you the big questions. You know, where are you now? Where are you going? And how do you want to be remembered? You know, what is your greatest life vision? So one of the things I like to do is I like to give, literally, I will do this. I will give you a picture of a tombstone, all right? And the tombstone, as you know, every tombstone has a little, you know, phrase written on it, right? And what I simply ask is, what is your greatest life vision? What do you want left? What do you want written on your tombstone? How are you going to make a big positive impact in your life? I got to tell you this story. So let me just kind of um, um, deviate from this point. Um, the thing that triggered me to leave my career at Merck, big old pharmaceutical company, and to transition into ministry was because I got to the end of my life in my mind. And I said, is this all I ever want to do? Is this really the vision for my life? And I just came back and said, no. Now, there are other people that said yes, and I know them. They, they were lifers. They were lifers in their careers. And they, they, you know, and they retired well, they had lots of money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, c'est la vie. But that wasn't me. And I said, do I really just want to spend 35 years of my life and then just retire? Then what am I going to do? I'm going to ask myself the same question right now. And I said, I, I have a greater purpose in mind. And I so I launched and believed into that. And so, you know, where are you now? And, and how do you want to be remembered? What a powerful question. 
You know, coaching will help you define the parameters in life. It helps you understand who your values are. What are your values? What is it that you value most? So I'm coaching this one client in this one code. The client is just, she just cares so much about people. And she had a huge, uh, a huge deal, a huge offer for real estate that was, that was given to her. And she just basically rejected it. And well, you know, she's been trying to sell a place for a good while now. And her family just comes in and says, you're crazy. Why would you reject that? And she says, I'm just not doing it. I'm not going to do all these other things. And the implication was that she had such a strong value, but she was insecure about it. I just looked at her and I said, hey, look, this is your value. If you go against this value, regardless of the economic disadvantage that it's going to put in you, you're going to feel terrible about yourself. And once we discovered the value that was working in her life, she felt so much more empowered about the decision that she made. Hey, it's her choice. It's her value, right? It's not right or wrong if you decide that you don't want to pursue one particular transaction. That's not a moral judgment. It's a value judgment. It's just simply to say, I value these other things over this transaction. And without really just going through those values, she left, you know, she said, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, you're not crazy. You just have a value that's at work. That was coaching. And that was one of the cool things that we were able to develop. Um, you know, coaching is going to help you define a plan. It's going to help you to, to achieve your greatest life vision. Believe it or not, you know, if you don't have a plan, you don't know where you're going. You don't know how to get there. What, what kind of progress do you think you're going to make? Um, and, you know, finally, coaching is going to help you establish an accountability system accountability is so important. So I have been, let me kind of give you another little story here, and then I'm going to wrap all of this up with just um, a quick thing here to think through. And this is what it is, all right? Accountability is so important to make any kind of progress in your life. I have been endeavoring for the past year and a half to lose weight. Now, right now, I have lost a total of about eh, about 31 pounds. The majority of that weight loss has occurred in a month, in a span of time of about four, no, that's not true, six months. So six out of the past 18, uh, let's just call it 21 months, six out of 21 months, I've had a positive weight loss. And you say, well, Smitty, what the heck were you doing all those other 15 months? Let me tell you what I was doing, all right? I was pretending. And the reason why is because I didn't have an accountability system. Now, I was using the Lose It app, but I I, I wasn't really. And then um, when I wasn't monitoring my food, I was just going in and exercising and pretending, right? The bottom line was is when I took accountability serious, I started talking to my my um, my coach, my um you know, my uh, trainer, I said, look, man, you got to hold me accountable. He said, okay, let's do this. So we go in there and we get the scale going. He pulls out the measuring tape and he's measuring my butt and he's measuring my gut and he's measuring, you know, my chest and it's really embarrassing. And, and he's got this big, you know, model of gobbly goopy fat. It's a five pound model. It's like, wow, that's five pounds. It's huge. And, you know, I'm carrying around, you know, well, I don't know, 12 of those. And, um, <laughs> you know, when I started looking at all this, all of a sudden I became very motivated. But here's the thing. He's like, okay, I'm going to measure you once a month and I'm going to measure you on the 12th. And so 
man, when I get close to that, I'm like, I know in three weeks that I'm going to be measuring the scale again and I want to see progress. And that single thing of accountability has kept me more motivated than anything else. And so, you know, and then all of a sudden I start seeing the weight come off. I start having to buy new clothes and then, you know, and, and my, I'm starting to see my body change a little bit. It's really exciting. I'm, you know, you can hear my enthusiasm, right? But that's the benefit of accountability. And a life coach develops systems of accountability to help you achieve your goals. And by the way, it's not to, to make you feel bad. It's just simply to say, hey, you said that you want to do this. Now, let's, man, let's keep working. Let me just encourage you to do this because you can do this. All right. So here's the question then. Why should you hire a life coach? And here are the answers on this. Okay. If you're, on, if you're stuck, a life coach is going to help you get unstuck. Maybe your confidence. Have you ever thought about your confidence? Can you build a vision of confidence? Absolutely. Um, that's part of life coaching. When you start, when you kind of know the direction you want to go and you really start to formulate that in your mind, it, it actually, you actually start to develop a little confidence in yourself. Um, expanding your vision of the future. I mean, that's another awesome, uh, awesome thing. You know, think big. How big can you go? Um, and what would it be like if you actually thought of a big vision for your future and then you threw some dreams in there and you began to achieve them? Man, how exciting would that be? And and what if, what if along the journey of, of fulfilling those dreams and reaching your vision, you began to discover new potential that you didn't know that you had? So life coaching is really about unlocking potential that you never knew existed. And maybe you, you, you even develop some skills along the way. So you have to develop and increase your skills, right? Because along the journey of life, you have to develop new life skills because you're now incorporating some new muscles of the brain in order to evaluate your life. And what if you're going through some transitions and because you've done all of this work, you now have a plan to put in place and are able to navigate life transitions. Well, let's just say a little bit quicker, a little smoother, you know, transitions are difficult in life. And then what if you had some practical steps to take towards achieving your goals? That's life coaching. That's all found in the process of life coaching and that is why I'm so enthusiastic about life coaching. So, you know, how do you find a Christian coach? Bottom line, lots of different ways. You can Google life coach. You're going to find all kinds of different persons and, and personalities out there. Do your homework on what they offer. Figure out their value proposition and, and interview them and figure out, you know, whether or not it's something that you should engage in. And then also there's some some different kinds of, of networks there. By the way, some of these life coaching networks aren't really networks. They're just advertising and somebody's paid money to put their name on whatever directory it is. So you got to think about that, that somebody's just intentionally advertising. They may not be any good at all. Um, or you can just go to christiancoaches.com, which is the, you know, Christian Coaches Network and um, they have a little bit more of a different kind of, of screening process to get on their, on their directories. So lots of different information out there. Here's the bottom line, though, with life coaching. You can call yourself a life coach without any training, without any kind of credentials, because life coaching is not a regulated practice. 
So you want to look for somebody that has some kind of credentialing. Now, I don't have a, you know, a life coaching certification by one of these huge credentialing, but I also have a doctorate in three master's degrees and, you know, been, been through the school of life quite a bit and I've had a lot of coaching myself. So, you know, don't go and say, well, you're not credentialed and so I'm not going to hire you. Then I don't think that's probably wise. What I think you should do is to look at the value proposition that the person is is advertising and then see if it lines up with your needs. Talk to them. What is it going to hurt? And then build trust and begin to see and to move forward. You know, what I'm excited about coaching, and let me just tell you what I see happening. Pastors are now starting to get equipped and trained in life coaching. And 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 as I've begun to develop life coaching principles in my ministry and have actually used it in ministry context, it has been so much fun. It has made my ministering and pastoring so much more enjoyable because I'm able to open up a whole new horizon of positive ministry, and that is worth developing. You know, let me just kind of leave you with a thought that I think is worthwhile. Jesus said this. He said, I have come that you may have life, and you may have life abundantly. What life coaching does is it helps you figure out, discern, and develop the abundant life that God wants for you. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this has been beneficial to you. And as always, I hope that you go and visit the website, mygracenation.com. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. listening to Grace on Fire, a Verb Creative Production. For show notes, links, and more, please visit MyGraceNation.com.